Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. Hebrews chapter 11. As you know, if you're familiar with Hebrews 11, it is the great hall of faith. It's the great faith chapter. And there are many facets of faith found in Hebrews chapter 11. We find the meaning of faith, the miracle of faith, the magnitude of faith. We even find the menace to faith. I want to take just a moment this morning and look at one facet of faith from Hebrews chapter 11, and that is the manifestation of faith or the evidence of faith. And we're going to begin uh, this morning with the invitation. I'm going to start with a question. That doesn't mean we're going to go home in, in a couple minutes. Uh, but I, I want to ask you a question to introduce the topic this morning. And here's the question. What is it that you know God wants you to do? It's difficult for you to do. It would require a step of faith. Let me ask that again. What is it that you would say, Brother Bill, I know without a shadow of a doubt, God wants me to do this, but it's difficult for me and it would require a step of faith. Maybe it's to get baptized. Maybe it's to join the church. Maybe it's to get involved with the ministry uh, of the church. Maybe you would say, Brother Bill, I've known for quite some time God wants me to get involved with this ministry, and I have a thousand and one reasons why I don't want to do it. It would take a step of faith. Maybe it's to give monetarily to a project uh, uh, of your church. You even know the amount God wants you to, to write, and boy, you say, Brother, uh, to write that check, that would take a step of faith. Maybe it's to witness to someone. Maybe it's to witness to a difficult person. We don't know any difficult people, right? Uh, maybe it's to um, uh, witness to a family member. Hopefully that's not the difficult person that you were thinking of. Uh, maybe it's um, uh, to forgive someone. By the way, I, I believe after 15 years of being a pastor that one of the great sins of the church today is bitterness. Uh, someone at some time has done something to you. Maybe it was even 30 plus years ago and you still have not let go and let God, you still have not pounded the gavel in the throne room, uh, throne room of your heart and said, uh, you're free to go. I'm no longer going to punish you. I don't know what it is, but let me ask it again, and then we'll read our text. What is it that you know God wants you to do, it's difficult for you to do, and it would require a step of faith. With that in mind, look with me at Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. We're going to look at other verses, but we'll begin by just reading verse number 1. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, in verse number 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For just a few minutes this morning, let's look at this truth from this text, the manifestation of faith or the evidence of faith, if you like alliteration, we could call it birthmarks of belief. But let's pray and pause and pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together, shall we? Father, we do uh, publicly acknowledge that we need your help this morning. Uh, I pray that you would uh, help me, give me wisdom and discernment, say what you would have me to say. And I pray, Father, that you would use the power of your word and the power of your spirit to do something spiritual this morning. Our hearts in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our church family, and in our circle of influence, as it is abundantly clear in your word, as we heard in Sunday school, uh, that you have called us to be salt and light in this wicked, dark world. Uh, bless our time together, we pray. If there's even one this morning that has the least bit, bit of doubt about their salvation, I pray that they would get it settled in their heart of hearts today that they would know 
that they're on their way to heaven through the blood of Jesus Christ. Bless our time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I heard a cute little story one time about a sweet little old lady that had a, a unique custom. She would go out on her front porch every morning and shout at the, at the top of her lungs, praise the Lord. Um, she did this every day. Well, uh, a neighbor moved in next door who said he was an atheist and he despised this tradition. And so as she would go out on her front porch every morning and shout at the top of her lungs, praise the Lord, he would growl back, there ain't no Lord. And this went on day in and day out. One day, as the story goes, this lady fell on some hard times and she ran out of groceries. And so she went out on her front porch and, and as was her custom, she started her day with a hearty praise the Lord. And then she audibly broke out into prayer. And she said something like this, Dear God, you know I need groceries. I ask you to provide, and I'll thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Amen. That's a pretty good prayer, actually. And uh, short, short and sweet and to the point. The next day she woke up, went out on her front porch, and you guessed it, there were groceries there. Three bags of groceries. And she got excited. She was jumping up and down to the best of her ability shouting even louder, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. About the third, praise the Lord, that atheist came around the corner of the building and he said this. He said, aha, I got you this time. He said, I bought those groceries for you. There, there ain't no Lord. She got even more excited, jumping up and down even more, shouting even louder, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And then she said this. She said, dear God, thank you for providing the groceries and even making the devil pay for them. Amen. Now, I know that you know this. The difference between a believer and an unbeliever is what? It's belief, right? And if you're here today and you're saved, and I trust that you are, you've taken the greatest step of faith you'll ever take in your life, and that is uh, the step of putting your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone, amen, for the salvation of your soul for all eternity. But can I say this, just because you've done that, and I hope and pray you have, it doesn't mean we're through with faith. For the Christian life is a life of faith. Now, I am not teaching a progressive salvation. No, not at all. Salvation is a one-time act. Amen? But the Christian life is a life of faith. Jesus talked about those with little faith, those with uh, um, uh, no faith, those with great faith. And what, what does that mean to us today? It means that no matter where I am, no matter where you are in the area of faith, are you ready for this? My faith can grow. My faith can be strengthened. My faith can increase. And your faith can increase. And so with that in mind, we come to Hebrews chapter 11 and, and we see some evidence of faith from Hebrews chapter 11. Now, we can't look at all of the evidence of faith from Hebrews 11. We could preach for a year of Sundays from this text. Um, but we want to look at three. Now, before we look at them, though, I want to give you very quickly something that I call three fast facts about verse number one. And, th and this is just to lay a foundation before we we get into this topical type of sermon this morning. But three fast facts about verse number one. First of all, um, according to verse number one, the life of faith is a life of evidence. 
You see that, right? The Bible says, now faith is the substance of things so forth. What does that mean? That means faith is not shallow, it has substance. Uh, faith is not empty, it has evidence. The evidence of things not seen. Have you ever heard anyone say this? Well, I have faith, but it's a very private thing. I don't like to talk about it very much. Not to be unkind or unloving, but that's not Bible faith. Bible faith has evidence. Bible faith has substance. It's not shallow. It's not empty. There is something there. Amen. So fast fact number one, the life of faith is a life of evidence. Fast fact number two, that evidence has a name, and it's called obedience. Let that sink in for just a moment. What is the significance of that? Here's the significance. Oftentimes, we love, love to talk about faith. We love to sing about faith, but we don't always like to talk about obedience. That, that's me. I, that's true confession. I love to talk about faith. I don't always like to talk about obedience, but can I say this? According to the Bible, you can't separate the two. You can't. Uh, James, too, faith without works is dead. We could say it this way, faith without works or faith without action or faith without obedience is a dead faith. We sing it as children, and I won't sing it for you because I just care about you way too much, but obedience is the very best way to show that we what? That we believe. We sing it as older children, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You can't separate faith and obedience. Fast fact number one, the life of faith is a life of evidence. Fast fact number two, that evidence is called obedience. Fast fact number three, and here's, here's where the, the rubber meets the road. Here's the bottom line. It's not always easy to obey. We all know that. It's the only option, but it's not always easy. When you look at the models of in Hebrews chapter 11, God required of them some very challenging things. It wasn't a bed of roses always. And so with that in mind, let's look at some of the evidences of faith from the great hall of faith. If you're taking notes, here we go. Number one, number one. According to Hebrews chapter 11, number one, sometimes faith is obeying God when it doesn't seem logical. According to Hebrews chapter 11, sometimes faith is just taking the step of obedience even though we don't have it all figured out up here in our mind. It doesn't seem logical. It's always the logical option, but sometimes it doesn't seem logical. Let me give you a, a Bible illustration. Look with me at verse number 7. The Bible says by, by faith, verse number 7, by faith, Noah, being warned of God, here it is, of things not seen as yet. What's, the, what's that all about? Well, you know what this is about. It's about this. Noah, build an ark. Okay. What's an ark? Well, uh, uh, Noah, an ark is something you need when there's a flood. And Noah would say, okay. What's a flood, right? Uh, Noah, a flood is something that takes place when there's lots and lots and lots of rain. And Noah would scratch his head, look you right in the eye and say, what's rain? You get the picture? 
Sometimes faith is just saying, God, I don't, I don't understand it all, but I trust you. And I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Folks, that's faith. Faith is taking the step of obedience even though we don't have it all figured out. Now, let me give you a, a, a more uh, modern-day illustration. And, and it's, 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 um, it's, it's not going to be fun. Okay, are you ready? Are, are you buckled in? Here, here, here's a more modern-day illustration. Don't throw a hymn book at me. Giving. <laughs> Giving. You're thinking right now, I'd rather build an ark than talk about giving. I understand. Trust me. But, but I think it's a perfect illustration because do you remember when you were first saved and you were being discipled and you were introduced to this principle? Whenever we receive, we always give to God first. And by the way, that's a biblical principle. No, no, uh, there's no gray there. It's, it's black and white. It's a non-negotiable. Whenever the Lord gives, we give back to him first. That's, now, here's what you thought. You say, Brother Bill, how do you know what I thought? <laughs> because here, here's why. We all think the same way, and here's what we think. If I give to God first, at the end of the month, I won't have any money left over for this, that, or the other. Right? And on paper, you'd be absolutely correct but you've just thrown faith right out the window. And I know this. I know this about you already. All over the sanctuary this morning, we could have testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony of Christians that could stand up and say this. Even though I didn't really have it all figured out at the time, when I trusted God with my finances and took that step of obedience, God has blessed my finances ever since even though it didn't make sense at the time. Just one illustration. Here's another illustration, by the way. Bible sal salvation is an illustration of this. Do you know this? To a good majority of the world, to a good majority of those out there, Bible salvation makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Here's what the average person on the street thinks about salvation. When I stand before God one day, if my good outweighs my bad, I go to heaven. If my bad outweighs my good, I've got to go to that other place. That, that's what the average person on the street thinks. And on paper, it makes perfect sense, but it's not B-I-B-L-E. It's not Bible. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. Not of works. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So if you're here today and you're saved, and I hope and pray and trust that you are, You've already taken the greatest step of obedience that you could ever take, even though to the average person on the street, it doesn't make any sense at all. So sometimes faith is just saying, God, I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust what you say. Sometimes faith is obeying God when it doesn't seem logical. By the way, someone... Someone wrote this one time, and I think it's good. I didn't write it. It's not new to me, but someone said this. You go to a doctor you've never met. He writes a prescription you cannot read. Now, forgive me if you're a doctor here this morning. I didn't write this. This wasn't me, okay? But you go to a doctor you've never met. He writes a prescription you can't read. You take it to a pharmacist you don't even see, and they give you a chemical compound you most likely don't understand. And you know what you do? You do the same thing I do. You obey the prescription. We use it all the time out there, 
May God help us to use it in here, more importantly, in our heart of hearts. Amen? Sometimes faith is just simply taking the step of obedience, even though we don't have it all figured out, number one. Number two, moving right along. According to Hebrews chapter 11, sometimes faith is obeying God when it doesn't seem logical. Number two, sometimes faith is obeying God when it's not comfortable. When it's not comfortable. All kinds of illustrations in our text. We could, we could give many. Uh, we could talk about Moses leaving all of the comforts of Egypt to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. We could talk about uh, Gideon. Great illustration. 32,000 men, I think down to 300. That had to be a little bit uncomfortable, especially if you were one of the 300, I suppose. Um, we could talk about jo uh, Joshua, just walking around those walls. Uh, just keep walking around those walls, Joshua. They had to come a-tumbling down because there was a song written that said they had to come a-tumbling down, right? So just keep walking around those walls. Uh, probably there's no greater illustration in our text, maybe in all of the Bible, I don't know, than verse number 17. Would you look at verse 17? By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Wow. Can you imagine? You want to you talk about being uncomfortable? That, that had to be it. Um, Abraham, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, who thou whom thou lovest, and offer him as a, sa a sacrifice. Offer him as a burnt offering. Uh, you talk about uncomfortable. Sometimes faith is, is obeying God when it's not comfortable. Um, I, I remember when I was a children's pastor years ago, I heard a story that, by the way, has a happy ending. A family had a house fire, and everyone in the family, everyone in the house, escaped to the front lawn except for the little boy in the house. He was about four or five years of, of age, and the family, they don't know what happened, but uh, they're on the front lawn, and they, they, they look in the window above them, and there's the little boy. And, and the father said to him, he said, son, jump, and I'll catch you. And the little boy said, daddy, I can't jump because I can't see you because of the smoke was so bad. And the father said this, he said, son, you may not be able to see me, but I, I can see you. Jump, and you'll be saved. And the little boy jumped, and he was saved. Happy ending. You say, what does that have to do with anything that we're talking about? Here, here's my point. Sometimes, and, and by the way, you know this to be true. Sometimes our step of obedience feels like a big old leap in the dark. It's, it's uncomfortable. Some, sometimes our, our step of faith feels like a big old leap. Now, I'm thankful God doesn't require a leap in the dark. That's why he gives us the light of his word. Amen? But it's still uncomfortable. I know this about you because we're all, as believers, we, we go through the same things in our Christian walk. We, we, we have levels of growth that are similar. And um, I want you just to think back for a moment on your spiritual growth. And I want you to think back on all of the things that God told you to do that it was uncomfortable for you to do. For example... Do you remember the first time that the preacher said, who would like to stand and give a testimony? And God told you to give a testimony, and you were scared to death. 
Um, do you remember your hands started to perspire and your mouth got real dry and you just knew for sure that if you stood, you were going to faint right there in front of everybody? But you know what? You stood and gave a testimony. Why? Because God told you to do it. Maybe he answered a prayer. Maybe he showed you something in his word. And as, a, as uncomfortable as it was, you mustered up enough courage and enough humility to stand and say, thus saith the Lord, this is what God did for me. To God be the glory. Do you remember the first time you handed out a gospel track? Do you remember the first time you invited someone to your church? Do you remember the first time you witnessed to that family member? Do you remember the first time you wrote that tithe check? Maybe your hand was quivering as you, as you wrote it. Do you remember the first time that you uh, taught that Sunday school class? Maybe, maybe there was like five little children in that class and it felt like 5,000. Remember the first time you sang in church? Here's my point. Sometimes faith is obeying God when it's not comfortable. But Christian, when's the last time you've been uncomfortable? When's the last time you've been uncomfortable? Is it that, that God has stopped requiring things of you? Is it that you have arrived in your Christianity and you are now, uh, you know, reached that perfect state? No one here would say that. I know that. I know I certainly wouldn't. Or is it that we have gotten to a point in our Christian life that we're content to be content? Sometimes faith is obeying God when it's not comfortable. According to Hebrews 11, sometimes faith is obeying God when it's, it doesn't seem logical. Sometimes faith, number two, is obeying God when it's not comfortable. And then lastly, sometimes faith is obeying God when it's not desirable. What does that mean? That just simply means this. I just don't want to. Um, I've been there many times, to my shame. Brother Bill, give me an illustration from our text of someone that illustrates this truth. Here it is. Are you ready? Every name in the great hall of faith is an illustration of this. Why? Because they have something we all have. It's called a will. And when God told them to do something, they could say yes or they could say no. They could harden their heart or they could humble their heart. They could stiffen their neck or they could humble their heart. But, but please, um, don't miss this. They wouldn't be in the hall of faith if they didn't learn to say, not my will but thine be done. They wouldn't be in the hall of faith if they didn't learn to kick self off the throne of their heart and put the sovereign there or the savior there where he rightly deserves to be, making all the decisions of every moment of every day, which really is the key to the Christian life, I believe. So, sometimes faith is just saying, God, I don't want to but I'm going to do what you told me to do. And, and, and I know this too about you. We all know this. Sometimes when we obey, even though we don't want to, isn't this true? God changes our want to. Doesn't he? God changes our want to. I, I've had the joy uh, of being a pastor, as Pastor mentioned, and, and we've done uh, in the 15 years we were pastor, we did uh, you know, marriage counseling and all of that. Do you know how many marriages have been saved based on this principle? where one or both of the spouses said this, you know what, I don't really feel like it right now, 
but I'm going to do what God told me to do, and I'm going to love my spouse as the Bible tells me to love my spouse, and that marriage has been saved based on this principle. Sometimes faith is just doing the right thing, even though in our flesh we don't want to. But God changes our want to, and I'm so thankful for that. Forgive me for using the Fennel family as an um, illustration of faith. Uh, we would all love to stand before you as the poster child for faith. We're just not that way. I, I, to my shame, I wish I could say that. Uh, here's the reason why. When God started to work in my life about being a missionary, um, in, in my mind, I didn't want to do it. And in my heart, I didn't want to do it. Uh, here's why. Uh, my logic said this. Um, it does, it's not logical. It's not comfortable. It's not desirable. Um, God started, I, I went on these missions trips and God started to do something in my heart and I, I knew what he was doing in my heart, but I didn't, I knew in my heart what he was doing, but in my head, I didn't want to, I didn't want to come to grips with it. And, and so, um, I, 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 I would argue with the Lord and I, I would, I would say, Lord, it's not logical. It's not logical to resign from a church that I think I could retire from. It's not comfortable to say goodbye to a church family we love dearly. It wasn't comfortable financially uh, at age 47 with a family of seven and a boy in college to um, jump into deputation for the first time in our life. I, was, I must confess, I was scared to death to take that step financially. Um, and then for many, many, many weeks, I won't tell you how many, it wasn't desirable I would, I would have discussions with the Lord. I would argue with the Lord, and, and it kind of went in different stages. But I remember saying things like this to the Lord. Lord, you know my heart, but I, I want you to know, for the record, I don't want to do this, but I will pastor another church if that's what you want me to do. Knowing what God wanted me to do, I was arguing with the Lord. And God said, that's not what I have for you. And I remember thinking, Lord... Um, I don't want to do this, but I will work at a Bible college if they'll have me, even though I knew God wanted me to do this. And, uh, and we even, you can ask my wife, we went through the entire application process. All we had to do was put our house up for sale and move to a different state to work in a, in a school. And God said, why are you doing all this? This is not what I have for you. And then I remember this. I remember thinking, and Pastor, I know we'll appreciate this. I remember saying this, Lord, um, for the record, I don't want to do this but I will be a church planting missionary where I could still be a pastor, you know. And uh, knowing, knowing again that God wanted me to be um, a missionary with Worldview Ministries. And God said, that's not what I have for you. And I remember I was sitting in my office one morning in Ohio, and I received an email from one of the, um, the missionaries that we uh, support uh, to the Philippines. And um, at the very end of his prayer letter, his newsletter, he, he wrote something just for me. I know it was just for me. I wrote, it, I wrote it in my Bible. He said this, If you are considering God's calling to foreign missions, do not fear. We can boldly say with the Apostle Paul, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And I remember thinking, Okay, God, I get the picture. And I took that step of faith. Um, and, and, here's, and here's the point. God is blessed every step of the way. To God be the glory great things he had done. He has blessed every step of our deputation. Every need has been provided. To God be the glory. One last verse, and we're, we're done. Look with me at verse number six. God tells us 
that this is what he will do. He will bless when we do what he tells us to do. Verse number six, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, there are many, many, many preachers out there that will teach you that this is some sort of cotton candy Christianity where if you have enough faith, you'll never get sick. <laughs> you'll have a million dollars in the bank. That's just not the case. That's not what verse number six is teaching. Verse number six is just simply saying this. When we do what God tells us to do, we bring a smile to the face of God. And when we bring a smile to the face of God, God will take care of us. God will meet our needs. God, God will um, make sure that we uh, have what we need. Um, verse number six has so many applications, but one of them that has been a, a huge blessing to Amy and I in this transition is this. That God, verse number six tells us that God can bless me better than I can bless myself. And God can bless you better than you can bless yourself. But we need to be, we need to be in the place of blessing. Amen? We need to be found faithful. We need to be found walking by faith, not by sight. Um, to illustrate, years ago, Amy and I, uh, we had three boys at the time. And uh, we were sitting at the table on a Saturday night. And we were having uh, dinner, and I was talking to Amy. Amy's right here, and I'm, I'm talking to her. And um, our third son, Chad, his name's Chad, he was sitting right next to me. And he was just about this tall at the time, Pastor, just a little, little guy. And um, he interrupted Amy and I. Amy and I were talking. I was talking. <laughs> I'm the talker in the family. And so I was talking, and he interrupted. And I, I stopped what I was doing, and I looked at him, and I said, yes. He said, Daddy, may I have some potato chips. There was a bag of potato chips on the, on the table because we like to eat healthy. Anyway, there's the, there this bag of potato chips on the table. So I said, sure, go ahead. And I turned and I kept talking to Amy and I didn't know this, but he didn't take any potato chips. So a few minutes later, he interrupted a second time. And so I stopped talking and I looked at Amy and I or looked at Chad. And I said, yes. He said, daddy, may I have some potato chips? I said, yeah, go ahead. And I turned, I kept talking to Amy. I didn't know this. He didn't take any potato chips. So he interrupted a third time. Now, listen, if you're a dad, come on, you know. We only have so much patience, right? I mean, that's how God made us, right? I mean, that sounds spiritual anyway. Um, so he interrupted a third time. I didn't know that. He hadn't taken one potato chip. So he, he, he interrupted a third time. And I was like, by this time, you start having evil your offspring, like, I'm going to feed him a potato chip with a slingshot if he doesn't stop, you know, interrupting me. These are the types of thoughts that go through your father's heads, uh, children, if, if you're listening out there. So um, he interrupted a third time. I said, what? What? What do you want, Chad? What? May I have some potato chips, Daddy? Yes. Take some potato chips. I eat, I'm, the bag was right in front of him, but I moved it even closer to his chubby little face. I said, take some potato chips. And this is what he said to me. I'll never forget it. He said, no. He said, no, Daddy, you do it. He said, your hand is bigger than my hand. And I remember thinking, God's hand's bigger than my hand. My father, my heavenly father's hand is bigger than my hand. God can bless me a whole lot better than I can bless myself. But I have to be doing what God's told me to do. I just have to be found faithful. I just need to be obedient. 
it may not seem logical. It may not, it may not be comfortable. It may not even be desirable. But folks, faith is just taking God at His word and trusting Him for the results. That's faith. And when we do, God can do great things when we just simply... So I end. I end with this. What is it that you know that without a shadow of a doubt, you know God wants you to do? It's difficult for you to do. It would take a step of faith. May, may God give us the humility. May God give us the courage to just take Him at His word and do what we know He wants us to do.